It's good to see everyone. It's good to be back with everyone. Jeremy and I have been gone the last two Sundays, and it is a joy to be back with you all and to all worship together once again. I want to thank uh, Keith and Tim and Aiden and Vinny who filled in for us while we were gone. Uh, I got a chance to, to listen and or watch those lessons, with the exception of Tim. For some reason, the recording didn't work on his, so I don't know what that what that might say, but uh, I'm sure he did a great job. I just didn't get a chance to hear it. Um, but I really appreciate uh, everybody who stepped up and uh, was willing to, to preach the gospel in our absence. It just reminds me how blessed we are here, how many capable men we have who are not only capable but willing and excited about an opportunity to teach the gospel. And that, that is so encouraging, and especially having just visited a congregation in San Francisco where it's a very small group and they, they don't have uh, the same luxuries, the same joys that we share in having uh, men and women who are ready and willing to step up and serve in the ways that we do. And it's a reminder to me of just how blessed we are here. And on that note, um, before we get into the lesson this morning, um, if you're able, we hope you can come back this evening at 5 o'clock. Uh, Jeremy and I are going to share some information about our trip out to San Francisco this evening. So hopefully you can come and join us uh, as we um, give a little bit of a report on the work that's going on out there and the two men that we're helping support in that area. I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles this morning to Ezra chapter 10. This is a, a passage of scripture that's been on my mind for a while, actually. The teenagers will remember this if you were at teen study last month. Um, I used this passage of scripture in kind of leading our minds in a little bit of a devotion uh, at that time. I also used this when I was out in San Francisco as well. Now, I've changed it each time, but, but this is a passage of scripture that has just been on my mind recently. I'm sure you've experienced that where maybe you read through something and just weeks go by and you continue to think back to it. That's been the case for me in regards to Ezra chapter 10. And so this morning, I want to read just the first four verses together. And then we're going to talk about some specific application that we can make from this text. So just quickly, to set the stage and and put us in context as we dive into chapter 10, the the book of Ezra and and Nehemiah tell the story of the people of Israel being released from Babylonian captivity and sent back to rebuild Jerusalem. And so Ezra, the book of Ezra, generally is telling the story of the temple being rebuilt, and the book of Nehemiah generally is telling the story of the walls being rebuilt. Now we're at the end, or towards the end, of Ezra at this point in chapter 10. The temple has been rebuilt, and actually Ezra hasn't been in Jerusalem for very long. While the book bears his name, he actually doesn't show up in the book until quite later into the book. So Ezra hasn't been in Jerusalem for very long, but when he does get there, what he finds is a big problem. The people have been back long enough to get themselves into trouble again. And not just get themselves into trouble, but get themselves into the very same trouble that got them sent into captivity in the first place. When Ezra comes back, what he finds is that the people have begun taking wives from foreign nations, from neighboring countries, and with those relationships come the infiltration of idolatry and the very real danger that these people could once again be pulled away from God because of the influences that they've allowed into their midst. And so that's what Ezra faces 
when he comes back to Jerusalem. And Ezra is now going to have to face the reality that he's going to have to deal with this problem. I want you to just think about how daunting that would be, how challenging that would be to see all of these families, all of these relationships that God is not pleased with, that pose a danger and a risk to the souls of the people whom you love and have come back to help and serve and teach. And now you're in a position of having to deal with the aftermath of that sin. That's where Ezra finds himself at the beginning of chapter 10. So I want to read just the first four verses with you. And it's not so much Ezra that I want you to focus on, but it's a man by the name of Shechaniah that I want you to listen for. And listen specifically to what he says to Ezra in these few verses. Chapter 10 and verse number 1. Now, while Ezra was praying and while he was confessing, weeping, and bowing down before the house of God, a very large assembly of men, women, and children gathered to him from Israel, for the people wept very bitterly. And Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam, spoke up and said to Ezra, We have trespassed against our God and have taken pagan wives from the peoples of the land. Yet now there is hope in Israel in spite of these wives and those who have been born, or in spite of this. Now therefore let us make a covenant with our God to put away all these wives and those who have been born to them according to the advice of my master and of those who tremble at the commandment of our God. And let it be done according to the law. Arise, for this matter is your responsibility. We also are with you. Be of good courage and do it. I you to think, try and put yourself in the shoes of Ezra for a moment. As you're facing this daunting reality and the task that's before you. And a man by the name of Shechaniah, he shows up a couple other times in the book of Ezra. We don't know a whole lot about him. But a man by the name of Shechaniah stands up. And he tells Ezra, Ezra, we've messed up. We're not going to deny it. We're not going to hide from it. We messed up. And guess what? It's your responsibility to deal with it. And you're not alone in this. We're all here with you. And we're going to work together through this. But Ezra, God put you in charge of fixing this. It's your responsibility. You need to be of good courage and do it. What impact do you think that might have had on Ezra? Well, you read the rest of the chapter, and you can see that he deals with the problem and makes some very difficult decisions. I want you to think about the power, the power of someone looking you square in the eye and telling you, whatever it is you're talking about, this is your responsibility. This is your responsibility. You're not alone. We're going to be here with you. But it's your responsibility, so it's time to get going. Ezra, the time you spent in prayer, that's great, and that was needed. The time you spent weeping and confessing, that was great, and that was needed. But Ezra, now it's time to get up, and it's time to do it. 
I think it's easy for us to realize how all of us need moments like that in our lives, and we need people like that in our lives from time to time. We need someone to just grab us by the face, look us in the eye, and say, this is your responsibility. That may not be easy to hear, that may not be what you want to hear, but this is your responsibility, and that's the reality of the situation. So I'll be right here by your side, but it's time to be of good courage and do it. That's the role that Shechaniah played for Ezra at this point in the story. And to the best of my ability, that's the role I'm going to try and play for you this morning. And all I'm going to ask is at the end, you play that role for me at some point. Because I need someone from time to time to remind me of the responsibilities that God has given to me. To no one else, to me. And I need to be encouraged to get busy doing those things. So I'm going to try and do that for you this morning, and I'm going to ask that you do that for me as well. So there's three areas of personal responsibility that I want us to just take a moment and think about the very real reality that this is a responsibility that has been given to you. And the call that God has given to us to be of good courage and to do these things. And the first one is sharing our journey to Christ. We oftentimes will make reference to the fact that Christ gives the great commission in Matthew 28 that we're supposed to go out and teach the the lost, take the, the gospel to the whole world. And we'll sometimes even use the imagery of we are supposed to be a billboard for Christ in everything that we do. I want us to take a moment and and get out of the world of imagery and get out of the world of big picture and and get very personal in regards to the responsibility that we have to do this very thing. Because your life is a billboard for something. You are always pointing other people to something. You're always sharing with other people what's most important to you and what you value and where your priorities lie. With every word you utter, with every conversation that you have, with every place you choose to go, with every decision you make about how you're going to spend your time, you are conveying to someone What's important to you? And God has given us a personal responsibility as his children to point others to Christ. And that can be done in a variety of different ways. I have John chapter 4, verses 39 through 42 on the screen behind me. You can flip over there if you want. It's a story that is probably, you've probably heard before in regards to Jesus' interaction with the woman at the well. We're not going to read the entirety of that story, but, but just very quickly, Jesus approaches a Samaritan woman, and he asks her for a drink of water, and that leads to a conversation in which ultimately he reveals to her who he is by telling her things about her life that no one else could possibly know. 
And this woman, hearing these things, runs back into the city. And look at what she says in verse number 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. Have you ever wondered why that's what she said? I think I know why that's what I think I know why that's what she said. That's all she knew to say. She'd had an interaction with Jesus that lasted maybe ten minutes. She couldn't explain in intricacy why he was here or who he was or everything that he wanted to convey to those people. But she could tell him that this is what Jesus did when I talked to him. He told me all that I ever did. And what was the result of that? Many people came to hear Jesus for themselves and believed in him. So you don't have to have everything figured out to lead someone else to Christ. But you do have a personal responsibility to tell others what you know about Jesus. And if all you can do is tell someone else what Jesus has done for you, then do that. Lead them to Christ. Make the introduction so that they can hear him for themselves. That's what the woman at the well did, and it led to many believing in him. But that's not always easy. That takes courage to be that billboard for Christ. It takes courage to live every day making decisions that reflect your relationship with God. How you spend your time, your energy, your money, your opportunities... All of those things are writing the message on the billboard of your life that others are going to see. You have a responsibility to make sure that you share with others what Christ means to you. What has he done for you? If you are a Christian, what changes has he made in your life? That should be something that every single one of us should be able to tell someone else. And it's a responsibility that each of us have. And I think intellectually we all know that. But sometimes we need that reminder. Sometimes we need Shechaniah to grab us by the face and say, hey, this is your responsibility. Now, like Shechaniah also said, we can be there to support one another in that. We can be there to help one another in the days where this is harder than others. Because God put us in each other's lives to be that support system for one another so that we can help each other grow in these areas. We can help each other be that beacon of light that leads others to Christ. We're all in this together in that regard. Yet each of us have a personal responsibility for how we're going to share what Christ has done for us with others. And so it's time to be of good courage and to get busy about doing that, to be serious about the messages that we send to others around us. Secondly, it's a personal responsibility that God has given to us, specifically as parents, 
to make sure that we are raising and teaching our children and guiding them toward Christ. There's a few passages of scripture I want to just reference very quickly. Proverbs chapter 2 and verse number 21 for starters, or Proverbs chapter 22 and verse number 6, excuse me. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Ephesians chapter 6, as Paul writes to the Christians in Ephesus and talks about families and the responsibilities specifically that fathers have to discipline their children and to train them up in the instruction that comes from God. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, the beautiful passage there that is often quoted and referenced even still by Jews today in a lot of different capacities, paints the picture of the home being a place where the words of God are talked about and are constantly in our face day in and day out. It's something that we talk about when we rise up and when we lie down. Parents, we have a personal, God-given responsibility to lead our children to Christ, to discipline them, to instruct them, to help them, guide them, as they grow, and as they develop, and as they mature. That is, as parents, our responsibility. You talk about a weighty responsibility. If you have children, God has entrusted their care and their souls into your hands. Now again, we can be a support system to one another. Because that's a scary thing to consider, and it's really helpful, really helpful to have other parents who are in the same stages of life to talk to about certain things. It's helpful to have parents who have gone through some of the stages of life that I'm currently in, that I can talk to and glean their wisdom from. Those things are important, and those things are necessary, and those things are helpful. but it's my responsibility. My children are the responsibility of my wife and myself to raise and to nurture and to lead to Christ. And as daunting of a task as that can be, I need you to remind me sometimes of how seriously I need to take that. And how proactive I need to be in training my children so that when they grow up, they won't depart from the Lord. That is something I don't get to take a break from. There's no vacation from that. Daily, minute by minute, I have to be diligent. I have to be thinking about the responsibility that I've been given. And I need your help to remind me of that. I need your help to walk me through those difficult times. I'll try and help you as best I can as well. And together, together we can work through these things. And together our families can grow closer to God. Together our families can be a pillar of truth in this community. But it's your responsibility for your family. Think about the conversation that Ezra and Shechaniah had, however brief it may have been, 
when Shechaniah concluded what he needed to say to Ezra, action followed. Because that's the power of reminders. That's the power of someone talking to you straight about what needs to be done. It's my hope and it's my prayer that when we think about these things and we see the example that God has given to us in Ezra chapter 10, that we'll be even more diligent about taking action and taking on the responsibility that we've been given specifically in our families. Lastly, the personal responsibility that we have to be a good steward of our blessings. And in a lot of ways, this kind of summarizes the first two points and embodies many others that could have been on this list. And I appreciate Matt reading from Matthew 25. We won't reread that. It's a parable that Jesus tells that highlights the importance of being a good steward of what we have been entrusted with. And when it came to the five-talent man and the two-talent man and the one-talent man, whose responsibility was it for what their master entrusted to them? It was theirs. When the master returned, the five-talent man couldn't share some of his with the one-talent man. The two-talent man couldn't throw a little bit over there to the one-talent man so he looks a little better when the master comes back. It's not the way it worked. When the master returned, each gave an account of what they had done with what they had been entrusted with. So when you think about the time that God has given to you, how do you allocate that time? Can you comfortably say that you're being a good steward of the time that God has given to you? Because that's your responsibility. How much time do you spend working? How much time do you spend in recreation? How much time do you spend in fellowship? How much time do you spend in prayer? How much time do you spend in study? How much time do you spend with your family? And the list could go on and on and on and on. Of all of the things that we spend our time doing, are you comfortable saying to God that you are a good steward? of the time that you've been given. The energy and the, the excitement that we have, especially as we're young, some of that may wane a bit as we get older, but that youthful energy and excitement that you may have, are you using that in the service of God? Are you confident that you're being a good steward of that? If you're in the older demographic, the wisdom that you have gleaned throughout your life. That is a gift. Are you being a good steward of that? Making sure that you share with the younger generation the lessons of life that you've learned. It's a responsibility that you have. The different talents and abilities that we have been given, whether it's teaching or hospitality, the ability to be generous and kind and loving. These are our gifts and blessings that God has given to us in a variety of different ways. We've each been blessed differently. That's the point of this parable. And it has nothing to do with whether he, you were blessed as the five-talent man was or as the one-talent man was. It has nothing to do with the reaction of the master when he returns. The reaction of the master when he returns is based on what they did with it while they had it. So when you think about the blessings, and the gifts, and the opportunities that you've been given, 
Do you recognize the personal responsibility that comes with those? Because one day, God's going to ask for them back. And we're each going to stand before him, and we're going to give an account of what we have done with those things that he's entrusted to us. What have we done with the gospel message that has changed our lives as Christians? What have we done with our children who we have been entrusted to raise by God? Who we have been, lo- they have been loaned to us by God. What have we done with them while they were under our care? What have we done with all of the wonderful blessings and wonderful abilities and wonderful opportunities that we've been entrusted with? We can help each other, we can remind one another, we can encourage one another. But at the end of the day, it's your responsibility. We need to be of good courage, we need to take action. We need to be thinking about these things on a regular basis. Be Shechaniahs in the lives of one another and remind each other about the responsibilities that we've been given. And perhaps the more difficult role is also be like Ezra when a Shechaniah in your life comes and reminds you of your responsibilities. Because sometimes it could be very easy to take offense to that and push them away and say, I don't need to be reminded about what my responsibilities are. Why don't you go worry about yourself? That's not the response that Ezra had. It's not the response that we should have either. We should humbly accept the responsibilities that God has given to us and humbly accept the encouragement that others bring into our lives. Because when we're doing that for others and others are doing that for us, that's when growth beyond our imagination can occur. That's when growth personally occurs. That's when growth within our families occur. That's when growth within the Lord's church occurs. And ultimately, I hope that that's all of our goals, to grow closer to God together and grow closer to God personally. Because as the parable conveys in Matthew 25, there will be a day when the master returns. And we'll each stand before him and give an account of what we've done while he was gone. And that day is one that hopefully you're excited about. It should be one that we're all looking forward to, to the day when our Savior returns and takes us home to live eternally with him in heaven. But if we take inventory of our lives and we take inventory of the responsibilities that each of us has been entrusted with, if we're not comfortable with the stewardship that we're giving to those things that we've been entrusted with. We need to make some changes. Because the master is still waiting to come back, and so we still have an opportunity. We still have an opportunity to change past behaviors, to refocus on what's truly important. If you're not a child of God, the one thing, the one thing above all else that I want you to consider that is your personal responsibility is your soul in your salvation, because God has done his part. He has defeated Satan. He has overcome death. He has brought grace into this world so that you can be saved from your sins. 
What are you going to do with that? If you haven't been baptized for the remission of those sins, you have an opportunity to do that this morning. We stand ready to help you. If you have, but you feel like you need the encouragement of the congregation and the prayers that we can offer as we together try and work and grow closer to God, if you need some help and encouragement this morning or if you need to confess sin to the group, we stand ready to help you with that as well. So if we can help you in any way, please come to the front and let us know as we